Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Hello, lovers. I am so excited to be here with you today, sharing some beautiful and expansive wisdom. Before we get into the meat of this episode, I'd love to take this opportunity to share with you a couple of new incredible offerings, one of which is Turned On By Life. This is a self-paced online course to take you from wanting, wishing, and waiting to turned on by life itself. I love this course because it encourages the participants to explore different modalities, including pieces of spiritual intimacy, embodiment, mindset, and artistic expression to create your own tantric lifestyle. Creating a tantric lifestyle has been so key for me in building a life that I am truly obsessed with. Uh, you know, to me, it all starts with this energy. This energy that brought us into the world is the energy that touches every part of our life because it is innately who we are. So this course is all about harnessing this inner power for a pleasure filled life that feels so juicy. You're left overflowing with purposeful desire. So this opportunity can be found at www.talktantratome.com and then click on the work with me tab. And another offering that can be found at the same exact place is the business magnetism mentorship. This mentorship is for you if you are desiring to step into purpose with the full confidence and assuredness of your gifts. We need your gifts. We need your light. We need as many expansive and awakened souls as possible to step into leadership, to create evidence of new earth in their lives, relationships, and businesses. So if you have a new or slow growing business or desire to start a business in the healing or expansive modalities, and you have this big vision, but are not really sure where to start or if it's even possible or just finding yourself you know, working against yourself, maybe you have imposter syndrome or an inner critic, I am here to help you get out of your own way. So for more information on that opportunity, again, www.talktantratome.com slash work with me. If you are new here, it is so great to have you. And if you are a loyal listener, welcome back and would love to hear your thoughts in the reviews. It means the world to me to hear your perspective, and your reviews also help this podcast become a bit more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. If you'd like to take an even more proactive role in awakening the collective to sacred sexuality, I'd love it if you screenshotted this podcast and shared it on your social media. And if you do so, please tag me so that I can thank you personally. Now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this divine knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. Today, I talk Tantra with Orika Valen. She is an intimacy coach. I am so grateful for her and her content and so appreciative that she's here on the podcast to offer her perspective on living an expansive life. So thank you for being here. Why don't you start by telling us a bit about your journey with becoming an intimacy coach? How did you discover this passion and purpose? Thank you, Liola. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I never thought that when I grew up, I will be an intimacy coach, that I will be doing sacred sexuality work and speak about taboo topics in public. I was actually destined to be the most normal person that you can imagine working at an office <laughs> nine to five and doing all the things. And I did that for a while until I repeated the, the story that many of us have, right? Burnout, insomnia, just being stuck in the loop of addictive behaviors, mm-hmm. looking for love in all the wrong places, and also really struggling with the piece of not knowing what my dharma is. Like, what am I here to do, right? 
I speak multiple, multiple languages. So very often I would get all kinds of jobs just through languages. So I will let, not share maybe here, unless you need me to, the things that I've done that led me here. But I've tried the whole spectrum of possibilities mm-hmm. so that I could know I just can't do it. There's just no way. And I reached the bottom in my early 20s or so where I just could not sleep. And I tried therapy. I tried to become a yoga teacher. I tried to do all the spiritual things, which now I call mental spirituality, you know, the talking therapy. It was nice. I realized that it's okay to be angry, but they didn't teach me what to do with my anger, right? Then I tried to meditate my emotions away when I was a very spiritual woman teaching yoga, uh, you know, at a yoga center that did not work either. So long story short, I ended up leaving everything and going to Asia, as many people have done as well. But I went to Asia to study Indonesian arts and culture and language. And you know what? There was a day. Like two months later, I was sitting by the rice paddies in Chenggu, watching this gorgeous purple sunset, thinking, fuck, my love has not changed at all. <laughs> Once again, I changed the circumstances and I just dragged with me my baggage of beliefs, stuck emotions, addictive behaviors, looking for love again in these emotionally unavailable men and doing all the same things. So I thought, okay, what, like God, what do I do? Like I'm running out of options. I had no other people who were way ahead of me, you know, living that life that I was desiring as opposed to just watching someone online. And yeah, I had this intuitive hit that I have to go celibate. And I didn't have a partner, so that meant celibate with myself. Wow. <laughs> I had no idea of sacred sexuality before that. I didn't know how to cir- circulate energy. So what happened? I just felt a lot of, like stuck energy in my lower belly, belly as a physical sensation. And once again, I was bewildered. Like, what is going on? <laughs> what do you do with that? <laughs> and later on, of course, I realized it's my s- sexual energy that's just stuck because I wasn't moving my emotions. So sexual energy was the way, the only way for me actually to really stress in the past, right? Mm-hmm. And so there I was, confused. And thank God, I met some people who taught me how to move energy through breathwork. And I have a very strong inner warrior. So just committed myself fully to doing that for a few months. (laughs) And then sacred sexuality entered my life. And then my life quite literally started changing externally within a month. And I'm not saying this as just another coach on Instagram, you know, trying to prove something. But it literally happened. I was in absolute awe. Like I never even wanted to envision these things. Like opportunities, work, money, a beloved, and things like that. And then I just started truly feeling in myself like there's this creative power that is actually tangible. There is something that I can count upon, something that I can use. And this is where, for the first time ever in my life, I was able to place the tension that I was basically putting outside of me into inside of me in a way that was practical and real, right? Yeah. Something that I could literally count on. So I just felt home for the first time in my body. Mm. So all of this began here. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I definitely resonate with this feeling of using the external circumstances to desire change. Like I, when I was in my early twenties, I decided to become a digital nomad and it was very much this energy of, I don't need anyone. I'm just going to go off and travel by myself, but it really didn't like fix my desire for connection and like the availability to use my relationships with others, not in a codependent way, but as a way to, you know, grow myself. And then I discovered, you know, um, spirituality and the yoga and the talk therapy and all of the pieces that are beautiful tools but they're only surface level, you know? And then I discovered sacred sexuality and Tantra. And that's when I was like, okay, cool. This is actually truly holistic because it's actually addressing 
you know, the energy that brought me into the world. So thank you for speaking into that. And I'm curious where this brings you now. Like, how are you working with people? How are, how are you using this, this pain as your purpose or this mess as your message? Mm, thank you. So it has been a very multifaceted journey right now. Sexuality is one of the topics that I usually address, of course, and embrace and adore. However, I work very much with female entrepreneurs who are who have created huge success at the expense of the things that usually matter the most to them, right? Things that are very difficult to quantify, things that are difficult to grasp, the intimacy with oneself, with one another, the capacity to feel deeply, the trust in oneself to surrender to bliss, to pleasure, to pain, to all the things, right? So usually right now, women come to me when they have done all the things. Yes, the mental spirituality, right? You know, the yoga, the meditation, and I do include yoga in that, even though it's using the body, but it's still the structure that we follow, mm-hmm. which was a very beautiful way to cultivate our inner masculine. However, the feminine does not really flourish in a disciplined structure practice, right? <laughs> she needs the opposite. So they have done that, they've done the business strategy, the mindset work, and all the things, and they realize this stuff works until it doesn't. Yeah. It does not really help me to create sexual polarity with the beloved it does not help for me to get out of my head and into my heart the sexuality when i'm done with work and then what if i don't have a beloved how do you navigate this realm right and it works completely differently than managing a business <laughs> so usually these are the topics that i address right now with my clients and the woman who come into my life beautiful and i know that right now you're doing quite a bit of traveling so I'm curious how how that shows up in your work, especially visiting a place like Lithuania. That's where you're from, right? Like, what is your relationship with your homeland, and how do like those roots support your purpose? And how are you, you know, nourishing that back? Yes, I'm now on a big tour. I'm actually currently in the UK, going to Bali in two days, <laughs> and then back to Texas. Yes, I left Lithuania 16 years ago. And Anna, I have had like a love and hate relationship with that place. Mm-hmm. Without me doing anything, I have a huge audience there. I mean, it's not technically doing nothing, of course, but it just happened by itself. Like there's so much momentum in Lithuania. And yeah, I've just had a bunch of solid workshops. I usually run their very, very big programs. And it's just happening by itself in their realest sense. So I love that. And at the same time, you know, it's very different when you teach in English. There's, even though it's the language that I use the most right now, there's a little distance between who I am as as the little girl who grew up in Lithuania and the current adult that I am. And when I go back to Lithuania, everything's much closer. So the things that help women <laughs> to resolve in you know, their relationships and lives, they touch me in a different way. It feels much more personal and sometimes a little bit more triggering. <laughs> so all of that is there. <laughs> well, thank you for speaking into that with so much vulnerability. Uh, I'd love to shift into talking a little bit more about intimacy. What is intimacy to you? I feel like it's such a beautiful word that carries so much weight and what, yeah. What's your definition of intimacy? Yeah. So in one sentence, I would define it as our capacity to get closer while feeling safe. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's always the aspect of safety and safety for me is being so deeply anchored in my body that I'm self-sourced. And that I can stay in the intensity of my experience without disconnecting, right? So I can feel my pleasure, my pain, my longing for love, even my neediness, all the things, right? And stay in that and let it vibrate through my body without disconnecting, without attacking, without leaving my body, just being in that intensity. So that is safety for me. And so with all of this... (laughs) beautiful human experience 
and create a connection with someone else. That is intimacy in relationship to someone else. But of course, it is firstly anchored within my own safety and intimacy with myself. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you are touching on that piece of this self-sourced intimacy. And I personally feel like that's been such a big part of my journey and definitely something that I like to be a model for. And I'm curious, what are some of the tools or how does one feel really safe in themselves, especially when we've been conditioned to look for that safety, you know, everywhere else. And it can be so overwhelming to receive the breadth of our emotions and the experience and the longing. I love that you touched on the word longing too, because it's something that I'm, I've been playing with lately. Yes. Thank you. So I don't think that absolute safety is always possible. We're like always in the pendulum of feeling a little bit more safe or a little bit less safe, mm-hmm. right? So I actually feel safest where I'm okay that things are coming up, <laughs> right? So maybe my nervous system is in a bit of a shock, but can I be with that? And am I equipped enough? Am I embodied enough actually to know what to do with that, right? So for me, safety is both staying very rooted in my body, which is a lot of like traditional like, sensation tracking, Mm-hmm. learning how to map my body not just physically but through sensations and all expansions expansions and contractions and this is the language of the body and also the emotional safety mm-hmm. which is always like how deeply can I lean into whatever is coming up for me and also holding the awareness like can I feel the depths of my longing let's say or anger without collapsing. Mm-hmm. And there is, you know, speaking in tantric terms, this is the inner union between the inner masculine and their feminine. The feminine is feeling the rage and the masculine inside of her, he is holding her in the stillness. So it's both, right? And I know we're going to speak about relationship work. So this is the very, very foundational primary, let's say, pump. brick of the relationship work. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that there's this misconception that once you go on this healing journey or you, especially if you're a professional in this space, that you've got it all figured out and you never have the messy longing, anger, all those things. When in reality you do, in fact, you have it more potentially because you're actually allowing yourself to feel it it's that now you have the tools and you're able to work yourself into fully feeling it faster and then get to the other side where you get to be a conscious creator much sooner is how I feel. Do you resonate with that or? Absolutely. I think this hyper positive thinking has created so much harm and yeah, just being always happy or seeing people on Instagram who seem to have it all. And they just never have emotions that are not pure joy and pleasure. Like it's just BS and it's a lie, right? So I personally feel like how how wide can I go into all of my spectrum? Mm-hmm. Could be emotionally, could be archetypically. Yeah. And this is my happy place where I no longer need to disown my little girl who sometimes feels insecure or my angry bitch, angry bitch that's annoyed by something. It's like, that's also okay, right? <laughs> There's just so much more freedom and relaxation within me where this is not better than that. Yeah. Right. And very often, this is such a huge per- permission slip for, per- sorry, permission slip for a woman because we are cyclical cyclical beams obviously and we are oceanic and things are moving not weekly sometimes not even daily but hourly and even more often right and once you know how to navigate your oceanic waves they move much they move so fast right i rarely have like a moody bad day that lasts the whole day usually it's so fast it comes and goes yeah it's amazing Yeah. Or you learn how to, for me, it's like learning how to channel that into something really powerful. Like I'm in my luteal premenstrual phase and feeling like a lot of things. And it's 
first of all, like having the awareness of this is where I'm at in my body. This is what is happening. So it makes total sense. I'm not going to, when I'm in this wave, I'm not trying to jump into the next wave. I'm allowing myself to ride with it, which means, you know, giving myself space for softness, the permission to rest, the permission to watch the movie and cry and using, using it as an opportunity rather than as, you know, something that we're fighting against. Like, I feel like we're conditioned to try to swim against the current of our bodies or the swim against the waves. And it's, um, it's, it's not super, uh, productive for us in these feminine bodies. So yeah, that is so true. And again, I will bring this back to feminine leadership and being a female entrepreneur, right? Because it looks like we have transitioned into the space where we manage a team. We have our own schedule. We're creating legacy building movements and businesses. It's incredible, right? And yet, many of us have still dragged on the patriarchal baggage that says, you have to work even if you're bleeding. You can't cancel your podcast interview, yeah. <laughs> even if you're burnt out. Or that, yeah, the external metrics are so important and it doesn't feel how, doesn't matter how you feel when you reach towards them. Like all the things that all of us, many of us have brought from the corporate times, right? That's still there. So really stop with the world where we refine that as well, because our clients, our offers, the world, like they feel that. And this is a challenge because often we are the very first woman in our families to do that. Yeah. And we really don't know a lot of women who have made it in that sense, where they can be both warm, maybe soft or fierce, deeply feeling, devoted to a relationship, maybe orgasmic, and hold an incredibly successful business. Yeah. So we're really like the pioneers of that. And it's exciting. <laughs> That's so true. We get to live a this and a that and have the experience of being, you know, in our mask and in our business and showing up in purpose. And it's so nourishing. I love this element of who I am, but I also desire to be met, you know, by a partner and to feel into the ability to surrender to my feminine in that space. And I feel like this is such a big part of your work. I'd love if you could speak into that. Absolutely. Yes. So I had already mentioned the topic that to lead a business And then to surrender in intimacy require basically opposite skills. Yeah. Right? And of course, not all women identify more with the feminine energy. But in this case, I'll speak more, suppose a woman feels more natural in her feminine essence, right? So when we work during the day, we have to hold like a long-term vision, a direction, a structure, accounting and all the things that we have to track like my feminine if i'm in my feminine i hate tracking things <laughs> that feels exhausting but when i'm in my masculine and i'm working and crushing it i'm like yeah what else can i track you know what else is there in my vision to hold and then at the end of the work day i have a choice i can still stay in that energy which i love like i have deeply cultivated my masculine as well Mm-hmm. Often in the past, like then healthy masculine when I was working in the office and the corporate and all of that. But now my inner guy is quite legit. <laughs> and and yes, at the end of the day, it's my intentional practice to transition back to my natural essence where I feel most home, which doesn't take me any effort to be in, right? And that is my feminine. And also I am in a beautiful relationship with my beloved and we live together. So in the evenings, I love being in my receptive mode. He's naturally, he's very masculine. He's got a very strong sense of leadership direction. He loves just like holding us and initiating. Yeah. And It feels quite natural for me to be in the opposite energy. However, if I'm not intentional about what happens before work, when I work and after work, and it's very difficult for me to come back to into my soft body. Yeah. So conscious intimacy or sacred intimacy requires so much intentionality. 
it's not random at all. And it's not only what happens in the moment when I'm connect in connection with my beloved, but all the moments before that as well. Yeah. Did it take time in your partnership to build up that sort of um, relating pattern or was it pretty easy from the beginning? I'm curious how, how that's evolved. I, I don't know much about your partnerships. I'm curious knowing a little bit more about the story and how, how that's evolved to uh, create something that feels so fulfilling. Yes. So in terms of the, the way the dynamics, how we relate in terms of the inner masculine and inner feminine polarity, it has been there from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And like in my previous relationships, Right. So when I teach relationship work, it's not only based on my current relationship, but also on the many previous relationships I had, because yeah, I have the contrast. And yes, in my past relationships that were maybe not so compatible, it was much more challenging to create this level of intentionality and polarity, right? Because there was often more processing or more like emotional noise that we had to move through first before we could play with the deeper energetics yeah what does that look like I feel that this is something that I've deeply experienced even to the point that for me in past relationships I found myself dating really um much more energetically feminine men um be in this because I felt safer in some of those circumstances because um, the I felt safer to be in my masculine and them to be in their feminine, but it wasn't actually what I really wanted or desired. It just was that I didn't feel like I had the right person or I wasn't even capable of understanding what was happening. And I feel that I've since moved through that um, and I'm still working out the kinks. At, so how do you know if someone is truly compatible for that sort of relationship or or how do you, how do you make that transition? I suppose. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) there's so much I could say about that. But firstly, when it comes to making that transition, I had multiple relationships in the past that are exactly what you shared, right? I certainly looked very feminine, I was wearing all the beautiful dresses. I did all the things, but my energetics were very armored. Mm. Right? I was very focused on my work. I was working until late. I could not fully surrender. I could surrender sexually. That always kind of felt easy. But when it came to when it came to my heart, the vulnerability, the most tender parts, they were not so fully accessible. Right? And also my partners were. Yeah, just making meals at home while I was working. <laughs> and actually, at the time, it was perfect. Now, when I look back, it was actually, yeah, kind of made sense. And it's okay, right? <laughs> However, my last relationship ended also because of that reason. I was truly practicing to be my deeper feminine, my devotional feminine. And that person was not fully receptive. And it's funny, like that was the pivotal moment because I was so aware of all these polarity practices and all the things, but they were not fully working. They're working to some extent, but it just felt like work, actually. Mm -hmm. It was not so much fun. And for me, that was a sign of incompatibility. Mm. And when it comes to compatibility, this is such a huge topic and so important to me because I don't believe that love is enough. I wish I could say the opposite. Love is not enough to make a relationship work. Mm -hmm. Right. And we do have to dismantle this Disneyland castle that says, if the honeymoon is amazing, everything is just going to work out. No. So when me and Kevin met, we were very realistic about what we want, what we don't want. Actually, on the first date, I just laid everything out. (laughs) And it was great. And also I was not creating any demands or requests. I just simply shared it. My heart completely opened. This is where I'm at. This is what I desire. And that's it. And I would love to share a little bit more about compatibility so that people have something to come back to, right? So the way I look at compatibility is, imagine we have three energetic centers, which is our sex or animal, our heart, and our consciousness. 
And so you want to have all these centers on board. So sex is like what turns you on. Does this person really turn you on? Does he have these qualities? It could be the physical appearance, the way they smell, the way you touch you, the way they touch you, right? And the heart is what makes you feel safe. And I had to get really clear on that. Um, My favorite language of love is consistency. Mm. So, mm. And other things, right? And then there is consciousness, which is also like values and timing. Are we on the same page in life? Yeah. Like right now, not in 10 years. Do we have the same spiritual practice, shared friends, use on money, religion, right? Yeah. And very often the heart is compatible. Yet the sex here and there, but often it's in the level of consciousness and timing and you know, where things are a little bit more challenging. And also compatibility can change over the years. A couple may start off feeling completely aligned. However, things change over the years. And for example, I discovered Tantra and my beloved discovers, I don't know, like a yoga sadhana just wants to be in the cave. That may be okay, that may not be okay, right? And then we go into the land of... Can we find a compromise where both of our needs are met? Or maybe we can't. Yeah. I love this map that you gave around the three parts, the sex, the heart, and the consciousness. Um, It makes it so much easier, I feel, to be able to say, okay, there's a yes here. There's a yes here. There's maybe a no here. Um, You know, talking about these three pieces and like to me, you deserve the full body. Yes. Right. So it's, and it's also saying, you know, sometimes there's availability in one or two of the centers and, you know, you have the invitation as the individual to decide how, how you desire to move within what's available. It's something that I work with a lot in my space. If there's not a full body, yes, I'll say, okay, what is available? Is that something that interests me? Is it worth it to put my energy into something that is um, only partially available? Sometimes yes, because I see that there's a lesson available or an activation or an initiation. And sometimes it's a no, I don't feel that it's worth putting my energy into that. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it's the longing for the full body. Yes. And how can I get myself closer to finding the person that, that is you know, all those things. And I also deeply appreciated the fact that you noted on, you know, love isn't enough because I have been in those relationships and you, and, and I found myself fighting, fighting for the relationship, fighting with each other. And at the end of the day, I knew that we had the tools to get to the end of the fight, but we're there also just wasn't a compatibility. So it's like, yes, it's, it's beautiful to know that now we have the tools, we have the coaches, we have the books and the podcasts that teach us how to problem solve essentially within a partnership. But at the end of the day, is this the person that you're meant to be fighting with and fighting for because you deserve, you know, that full full compatibility. So I'm curious what your thoughts are and how do you know when to fight for the relationship and when to step aside? That's a very delicate question. (laughs) I do not have a specific recipe for that. I do believe, however, in doing the best that we can and really putting the maximum effort if we really want to be with a person Maybe I'm a little bit old-fashioned to that. I don't believe in, oh, he didn't listen to my need. I'm just going to quit that because there's someone else who's kind of hard to, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm very committed and very loyal. So I would do my best, right, in the first place. Doing my best means how can I be a little bit more responsible for my emotional body, Mm -hmm. for my energetics, which I bring to the relationship. So now when I look back and... Uh, to my past relationships yes often I was saying the right thing but my heart was resentful yeah maybe for a legit reason but still there was no way to create intimacy in that moment so there's always the self-responsibility and at the same time when I communicate my needs and boundaries and desires can this person fully meet them 
Yeah. Does this person try to meet them? Can they listen to that? Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes meeting my need will not feel very comfortable to that person and vice versa. Right. However, does this empower them? Does this fulfill them? Does this expand them into something else that's new and actually supportive for their own evolution? If yes, that is still compatible. If not, probably not. For example, if I want to have a baby in two years and my partner wants to have a baby in 10 years, making him to have a baby, making him to have a baby in two years may not be very supportive if he's just starting his business or something like that, right? So maybe no. However, there's always the space for a compromise of service both sides. And if there's flexibility and the willingness to marinate in this realm, that's often quite tricky, then I feel there's possibility. However, if we end up trying to process every single little thing, figure everything out, you know, we're this in this loop of <laughs> processing, that is a red flag for me. Yeah, I love that you spoke into this piece on um, making the commitment to keep showing up and growing together because there is this element that, you know, when you're with someone that is, you know, truly compatible and it, and it is really worth fighting for and there's an argument and it's this immediate feeling of like contraction, I'm going to step out. What ends up happening is if you don't deal with your shit in the relationship that you're in, you're going to take it into the next relationship. So, you know, and that's where we start to see the patterns show up in our relating style. And to me, this is a really great place to say it gets messy and it gets complicated. And when it's your own thing, it's all so close to you and tightly packed that it can be hard to disentangle and to even see the situation for what it is. And that's where having someone like Orika or myself or some other professional to help you mirror what's happening and get a little bit more clarity is something I, I recommend. Also things like journaling and meditating and just sitting, sitting with the experience as well. So I loved that you had mentioned that on your first date with your partner, your current partner, you were very clear from the beginning about your needs and your preferences and your desires and boundaries, it sounds. And this is something that I feel so many women are terrified to do because they don't want to come off too strong and we're quite conditioned to become what the man wants rather than just claiming what we want. So I'd love for you to speak more about how that felt for you and also how you um, built up the courage to do it and what that actually looked like. Yes. Yes. So when we shared about my desires and my preferences, it was not the full conversation where I speak about my boundaries and my specific needs. We we didn't go that in detail, but I shared that, yes, what, what I desire is a committed partnership and not having a casual lover because I never wanted a casual lover ever, actually. <laughs> right? So it's just not my style. And I shared that, yes, I'm very monogamous. And I love being very devoted with my person. Yeah. And the way I spoke about it, it was just so about me and my personal desire. And there was no latent expectation or trying to make him be something that is not. And I was just very relaxed, right? So it was just an extension of my heart which felt so vulnerable and actually tender and warm and sweet. (laughs) So it didn't come off as a defense. If you want to see me for a second date, we have to commit or something like that. None of that, right? And also I had come out from a priest relationship not too long ago. And so I had done so much work on being in my heart, living in my longing for a beloved, for a compatible beloved that I just felt so whole within me, like so not attached to any outcome or to any man. It was literally the first time in my life where I will not be lying just when I'll be saying that I was a little bit high, like on myself. Mm. I was very happy, very full, very connected to my body, like in momentum, right? So whatever I shared with him just came from such an overflow. (laughs) 
it actually just invited him to, hmm, can I taste that? That sounds really delicious, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I love this piece on recognizing it wasn't coming from a, des- a place of desperation. It was from a place of pure clarity and, and love flowing from the heart. And it is such an empowering way to approach relationships because what can happen was ha- what has happened to me in the past and to a lot of people that I've worked with in the past is that they go on this date and they have this whole internal story of what they want and desire and then they don't share it and then they go on this yummy date and they're projecting all of this desire onto this person without the other even knowing and it kind of it depends on the dynamic and it depends on the other person. But often what I've witnessed happening is that then you get into this space of um, creating a lot of internal story about what, how this relationship is going to evolve when the other person might want something completely different. And if you would just be really authentic and, and vulnerable with the heart about the desire, there's more space for, um, things to evolve with clarity in terms of what both people are available for. And then you're not wasting your time and each other's time as well. So absolutely. Yeah. Yes. For me, it all comes down to self-worth, right? Because when I truly know myself and I have felt my pain, my longing, my emotions, my anger, my desire, I feel like I know myself pretty well. Whatever will come up in my emotional map will not be a surprise, mm-hmm. right? So I feel that I feel home. And there is a space where every single woman can cultivate, where she knows herself, not conceptually or mentally, but through the deeply felt sense. Yeah, And that changes our self-worth completely. Because if I know what I, who I am, what I am, I no longer need to define myself through my relationships or through the man I'm seeing in front of me on a date. Yeah. And there's just so much more space for me to say something silly or to be more authentic or to whatever, be more, more sensual, like whatever is coming through. And I'm just me. And I'm no longer really dependent, whether he likes me or not, to just have fun or be expressed the way I feel myself. Yeah, I feel that this is like the answer to one of the questions that I had, which was, what do, what do you need to be to call in the sacred beloved, which is really just being yourself and being really in a space of loving all that you are. And you do a lot of work around you know, what is a sacred beloved? How do I call in this individual, etc.? I would love for you to go into what, what does the sacred beloved mean to you and to the people yes. you work with? Yes. Thank you. Beautiful question. So for me, beloved is both internal and external, right? So my own internal beloved. So I feel mostly feminine and I would relate to my inner masculine as my beloved. So create this internal polarity and communication and a dialogue with him, right? And then my inner couple, let's say, they mature, they grow, they hold each other. And I can give more examples later of that if you need me to share. And then there's the external beloved. How do you relate to, for example, like to romantic beloved? My dreams, my aspirations, like all the things that come up, right? Sexuality. And then also relate to a lot of other things as beloveds. Like my business is my beloved. Yeah. I relate to money as my beloved, right? So for me, anything that I call beloved is an energy with which I have an intentional, intimate dynamic, right? That I consciously and continuously cultivate. Wow. Beautiful. So it's not so much about a single person necessarily. It's the relationship with the self and then how that relationship with self is reflected in, you know, external experiences and energies and individuals as well. Is that correct? Yes. And my work is still mostly focused on romantic beloved, Indeed. of course. <laughs> Yet I still want to broaden this definition because 
personally to me, it includes so many things. Yeah. I, I love that you did that. And I would love if you could maybe seduce some of, some of us into that like idea of calling in the sacred beloved, like what does your, what does that look like if someone were to go to, and we're, we're kind of also coming to a little bit of a close piece. I'd love to, for you to share a little bit about your work and what this looks like. Yes, absolutely. So the way I work is very, very somatic and I work a lot with the nervous system, right? So whether it's one-on-one coaching or my group programs, the first part is a lot of healing work. Mm. And basically healing, rewiring the beliefs that live in our body, mm. not just through journaling and affirmations, but you know, through like the deep, deep somatic work. Yeah. And there we also use sexuality because sexual energy is the biggest amplifier of what there is, right? So we also use sexuality as a healing modality. So at the beginning is, again, creating the safety for us to be in the body. And through that, we do release a lot of pain. Mm. There is the resentment. The final resentment is real. And often is the energetics that most people can't see mm-hmm. is the armor that is living around our hearts and just cages our heart and our longing our, our warmth like insight and even though we look feminine we do all the right things we go on in dates but if the heart doesn't feel safe to be truly revealed that's not going to work in my opinion there is the father wound Often that is the most challenging piece for many women to move through because that's the fear of abandonment, right? And other things, right? (laughs) And at the same time, we match the healing work, which is quite complex often, with pleasure. Because I don't believe just in trauma work or just in pleasure work. I think they're incomplete separately, right? Because lots of people just do catharsis and all the things, but like, what are you releasing? And what are your replacing it with <laughs> but just pleasure often doesn't go deep enough and then once the program is gone it's done what do you do after you know just sell pleasure for three months and then what <laughs> yeah. anyway so we do both and then of course there's a lot of ritual space there's a lot of communication space compatibility what is your compatible beloved like getting really clear on that. Now we spoke about this for a minute, but what if we actually spend a whole session just on that? And who do you need to become energetically and also practically to have space for a beloved to come in? When I say practical, I also mean you have time. Are just working all the time, right? <laughs> so with some of my clients, they do the masculine cleanse, where, for example, they remove any sources of masculine energy romantically externally and they grow during the masculine at the same time wow or i had and i i had a thought but it slipped out of my mind right now <laughs> hmm. <laughs> what was that yes there's a lot of as well sexual polarity work and which is often crucial both in relationships but also in dating because as we mentioned at the end of call, there is the feminine longing and this is the sacred language of the feminine and I love using this in polarity work as well and the longing is that almost overwhelming desire for love a desire to be felt deeply to be held to be ravished to be pinned against the wall to be worshipped as a woman, as a lover, right? So we have a lot of longings. It could be to find out what's my purpose in life. It could be to make an incredible amount of money, right? Mm-hmm. So we practice living in the longing. Mm-hmm. And it, there's a moment where the woman transcends the need to have a partner. It doesn't mean that she doesn't need or she doesn't want one, but it's no longer such a big deal. Yeah. And this is where the magic begins. This is like the level two where we get to play with the deep energetics and it's magical, completely magical things happen here. I love it. It sounds incredible. 
So wrapping up with just um, last couple of questions here, one of which is a bonus question. I ask all my guests this, what awakens your arrows? What turns you on? What makes you feel erotically alive? Mm, mm, beautiful program. Actually, I have a set program. <laughs> Actually, I have a program erotically embodied. So it's just that. Yeah. Mm, what makes me feel most erotically alive? actually having the space to feel myself very deeply yeah because when I feel myself deeply that could be emotions that could be desire that could be eros and then it's pure mystery Beautiful. and other things could be just feeling the desire of my beloved who just wants me right and also having the space where we can play with the desire before we actually make love, for example. And actually having my body very open and my heart very open. When it's fully open, I feel like the eros is just available. Yeah. Love it. Love this answer. Feeling it, receiving it. It's gorgeous. And where can people find or support you? What new things are happening? So... I mostly hang out on Instagram at Odika Valen. This is where I'm usually sharing beautiful wisdom on my stories, on my posts. Currently, I will be enrolling one-on-one clients for the fall. And also, I will be running, running programs in September as well. Beautiful. And all of this will be in the links in the show notes. But thank you again for joining me today on the so much it's been a pleasure yeah absolutely and also want to express my gratitude to the listener thank you once more for opening yourself up to the idea of beloved and sacred sexuality and spirituality with so much gratitude and love have a sexy and spiritual day and i'll catch you next week on top taunter to me